months ago, and we put it on the calendar. And then a couple weeks ago, he said, well, do you want to do next week instead? There's a, there's a cool set of verses on marriage that I think you'd be really good at. And though I kind of disagreed, I, I kind of thought about it and said, uh, well, I did read, write a thesis on that uh, passage uh, in college, actually. And I thought, well, you know, it's, it's actually my wife and I's uh, seventh anniversary the day after that. So I was like, well, is that really a good thing to preach on that day? You know, the whole uh, wives submit to your husbands thing. Is that, is that, maybe that, maybe that would be about perfect, wouldn't it? Oh, but uh, God had other plans, I think, and therefore so did I. Actually, I'm kidding around. Actually, um, my wife doesn't obey me at all. Um, I'm, kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. That's awful. But uh, I am actually taking her to Hawaii for two weeks. So, yeah. So, <laughs> so I won't be around, but uh, I figure we can wait uh, uh, and, and see. Uh, you can tackle that subject as, as well as I know you will. I kind of look forward to it, actually. I look forward to listening to the... To the CDs of that. But no, God had other plans. He, he said, uh, no, I want you to tackle something that you've never liked talking about. And so this whole section of Ephesians is the one I've always skipped over whenever I read Ephesians. I never liked it. And so that naturally means that God wants me to preach on it. So, yeah, here we go. <laughs> I think I'm probably in good company in that uh, uh, it's, it's, it's hard to uh, feel like a hypocrite sometimes where you... you you say one thing, and then the, the Bible says another, but the world says you should live like that, and so maybe you're not living consistently. It's a, a thing we all struggle with, and I'm no exception. I'm just going to say that right away, but we're going to try and dive into this. So let's uh, take a word of prayer, and we'll see if we can't get through this together. Father God, thank you so much that uh, we can be here together, that we can uh, do all these things together in your name. We ask that you would make my words and these meditations yours and not mine, not uh, uh, anything that I would say, but that you would say through me. Um, Father, we ask this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Basic instructions before leaving earth. That's what I always saw that that Bible stood for. B-I-B-L-A, B-I-B-L-E, basic instructions before leaving earth, which I thought was cool as a kid, right? But as, as I've become a little older, I've, I've started to think maybe I need some more advanced instructions than just basic instructions. So I feel like the basic instructions got me through the first parts of, of my faith journey, but, you know, the world is kind of a, a rough place, and I can't just do with basic, basic instructions. I need something more. So this morning we're going to look at uh, Ephesians 5, uh, 15 through 21. So let's, uh, we'll put that up on the screen here. Uh, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open those up, and we'll read that together. So Paul says to the Ephesians, Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as wise, unwise, but wise, making best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand, understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is, or some translations may be say, lead to debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. 
So I'm going to ask you right now, what stood out in reading that? What, what, what pieces of that stood out? I actually want you to shout them out. What, what things stood out? Don't be shy. Anything, anybody else? What stood up? It doesn't matter how ridiculous. Submitting to one another. Making most of your time. I like it. What else? Out of reverence for Christ. Good. What else stood out? You know what else always stood out for me on this one? That I don't get it. That I, <laughs> I need something deeper. This is a lot to, to just, this is a lot of it. I felt kind of like Christianese the first time I wrote it. I, I, I read it, or, uh, wrote it down here in my notes. I had to actually go to four different translations and, and get out multicolor highlighters and really dig into this. And, and what I figured out is that this passage really is master level Christianity here. This is advanced instructions. Or what I like to call about Ephesians, it's kind of practical instructions for everyday living. In other words, we're not just focused on what to do, but why we should do things, which is an important distinction. Now, let's, let's also be honest. Uh, I want you to kind of look around at, at our congregation here. You know, go ahead and look around. You know, it, let's be honest. We're, we're a little bit seasoned, aren't we? Yeah, I, I, I want to take a poll here. <laughs> it's it's kind of true. Let's be honest with each other. How many of you have been Christians for more than five years? Okay. So, in thinking about that, so what if what if you were to decide today that I'm you know I'm someone of advanced years, maybe I'm 42 years old kind of set in my ways. Do you know where someone who accepts Jesus into their heart but doesn't make the changes that I'm talking about today is going? Do you know where, when they die, do you know where that person is going? They're going to heaven! These are optional instructions we're talking about, but I really believe there is a purpose. There is a purpose for what we're doing. I believe God wants us to leave this place better than we found it. That's, that's kind of my motto lately. To live fuller and richer lives in the time we're here. But we can't do that by just believing or just filling out the, the basics, the check marks. We need to step beyond belief, have those advanced instructions. Not because we have to, but because we want to. We have a relationship that has transformed us. So the question you have to ask yourself is this. Do you want a religion or do you want a spiritual relationship? In other words, do you want somebody that or to be a place where it's just we just do our thing and then we go about our business or do we want to have spiritual maturity? So religion will interpret the rules and repeat the rules. That's what religion does. It's just a rinse and repeat process. Spiritual maturity, on the other hand, will interpret God's will and live it personally. Let me say that again. Spiritual maturity will interpret God's will and live it personally. Now, Paul lays out a, a bunch of things in this verse, and the more I got to looking at it, the more I, I was thinking, you know, this is really just kind of a, a set of things we can practice and then put it into application. That's what I love about the way Paul writes. In fact, there's going to be 
more of that as we go along in Ephesians. He's teaching them how to think and how to live. So practice number one, be careful how you walk. Or some translations might say, be careful then how you live. So what does religion say about this? Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. And don't do that or you're going to hell. That's what I always heard religion say anyway. Spiritual maturity says, do. The proof is in the pudding kind of thing where Paul spends six times as much time telling us what we should do in this passage rather than what we should not be doing. Does it make sense? I mean, it's like, shouldn't we be hearing, it's the Bible, shouldn't we be hearing a bunch of stuff we shouldn't be doing? But Paul spends six times as much in this passage alone telling us the things we should be doing together rather than the things we shouldn't be doing. I think that's really speaks well to the character of God in his word to us, his love letter to us, that it's, it's not just a bunch of rules and regulations that we have to just follow as rote. We really need to learn this. Though religion seeks to control your life, obedience to the standards of the church, what's written down and the, the, whatever the pastor says, spirituality or spiritual maturity seeks to get, do what God can do in your life to enrich it. And how you can live a better life. See, wisdom is knowing the things that you do, not just in blind obedience. In other words, wisdom that Paul calls us to be in here is, is not just simply saying, well, these are the things that I learned how to do, like memorization. He wants us to learn why we do them. And we can do that by simply thinking about everything in terms of what are the results of that action going to be. If I take this action, what are the results down the end of the road? Or if I take this action, what are the results at the end of, the, at the end of the, that road? And if we do that, we can take that choice. And so I can put it to you, and I, I'm willing to bet if I put hands up, how many people would choose religion in here? Okay. How many people would choose spiritual maturity in here? You know, I kind of thought that was going to be the answer. So now that we've gotten that practice down, the next practice we can take is make use of the time for the days of our evil. We're going to make the most of the time for the days of evil. Religion says the world is evil. Don't go out there. Isn't it easy to interpret that passage that way? Make use of the time for the days are evil. That's evil. I don't want to be near evil. Spiritual maturity says there is so much we can do with our time to make an impact on those around us or the world around us. So again, which do we choose? Do we choose religion or do we choose spiritual maturity? Where do your priorities lie? Are, they, are your priorities in uh, maybe just complaining about the world? Oh, this is so, so bad. This is... I, I can't believe it. How can it be bad and then just getting worse? And, and Or are you going to say, yeah, the, 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 the world is evil, so I've only got so far I'm going to be on this planet, so how am I going to spend my time that best lifts people up and brings people towards Christ? It may seem like a simple decision, but I assure you it's not. This is something where we really have to not get caught up in the pattern of the world. We really have to get into the scriptures and into God's relationship and say, what do you need me to do? 
actually a, a good thing I love about this. We, we support the Eternal Brothers here. And I, was, I, I think they're such a great example of this, of not just, okay, well, I'm, I'm, on, a, I'm on a bike and I get saved. Well, I've got to give that up. I've got to just go to a boring church now because I got saved. No, they're still out there in the world. They're still out there trying to make a difference. I think they're a great example to all of us. I don't care how old we are. We can all learn a lot from those guys. Amen? Amen. So, I think we've got that down. Let's take on some advanced practice, shall we? Do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Oh, okay. Do not be foolish, but understand the will of the Lord. So religion, <clears throat> yeah, it'll, 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 it'll have this down. Religion has this practice, right? You're not smart enough to know what the will of the Lord is. We do, and we'll tell you over and over and over again, but you can only hear it from us. That's what religion will say. Now, spiritual maturity, on the other hand, will say your nature is to screw up. That is your nature. We recognize that. But God wants to show you a better way. Seek him out. Learn his ways. Now, seek him and learn his ways. That, that's always been a passage and, and, a, and a piece of scripture that's always confused me. I don't know about you. That has always been one of those things. It's like, what does that actually mean? How can I seek God and know his ways? Now, in, in the context of what Paul's talking about here is saying, don't be foolish. In other words, you don't get to just say whatever God's will is, and it, it's God's will. You can't just say, well, God told me to rob that bank. I heard it clearly. I heard a voice in the back of my head says, I need you to go rob that bank and, and maybe give some of the money to the poor or something. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think that was God. I, I think maybe that was just... You saying that yeah, out of other desires. The reality is we're not given license to do whatever we want. Just because we heard God say it or whatever, that's just foolish. What we need to do is figure out what God's best is for us. In other words, looking at the results of the things we do and applying those lessons in our lives, whether that be good or bad results, we need to learn those things. That's what learning God's will is for us, to see what things are having an impact on us and those around us. So understanding the why of actions is really important here. So let's say uh, if we're dealing with something like the issue of uh, sexual impurity. Well, it's easy for religion to say, well, just, you know, keep it between you and your wife and no one else, and there's no one else involved. And if you do anything different, you're going to hell. It's easy to use those scare taxes, isn't it? But it's better if you can understand the impacts of not being sexually pure and understanding that there are not only physical things going on, but there are also emotional and spiritual things that are, you're doing damage to. Isn't that a much better reason? The same thing with well, things like stealing. Besides the obvious that you're doing harm to someone by stealing from them, you damage yourself too. If you start to steal just a little bit, Sometimes that goes a little more and a little more and a little more. And before you know it, you're on a path to destruction. That's a better why not to do something. That really does become the key to this whole thing, is understanding why. Not just doing things because we heard some dude in a purple shirt say it on a Sunday morning. 
but understanding why God wants us to do certain things and not do other things. And the, the, the master class here is what we're coming up in. Wow, I'm getting all sorts of verklempt this morning. The master class is really what we're on, on to now, is do not get drunk on wine. Yeah, this is one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture. And when I say favorite, I mean least favorite. So like I said, I went to multiple translations to try and, and find anything I could on this. Uh, clarification, loopholes, whatever I could find. And, and so let me, let me read that with you here. So I see there in verse 18, it says, Do not get drunk ever. If you get drunk, you're going to hell. Wait. No, no, wait. Sorry. That's the religious version. Let's try something else here. There we go. And do not get drunk on wine, because only a real Christian, a real Christian drinks only whiskey. No, that's, that's not right either. I don't know where this is coming from. There you go. And do not drink any alcohol ever, because the world may see you as a flawed human being. Well, oh, that's the modern Christian version. Sorry. Sorry. I have this wrong. This is a tough one. Because I, I, I've read a lot of the rest of the Bible, and I, and, I, and I think about this, and my first response to this really is that kind of religious thing. It was like, do not get drunk on wine. Or some translations actually real, really will say, do not drink wine. And I, I, I was thinking to myself, well, I, I, I like wine. I do. I like to have a, a glass of wine with dinner or whatever. You know, it's, it's good. Antioxidants and all that kind of thing. I think about Jesus. One of the first things he did, his very first miracle was turning water into wine at a party. When you really think about that, that's kind of weird. That's not not just kind of weird. That's really weird that, that Jesus is at a party. They run out of wine, which normally is a clue that you've drank too much wine already. You need to go home and Jesus makes more of it. That's kind of weird. So think of this from the perspective of the early church. What is Paul saying here? Paul's saying, you know, we never really saw the disciples drunk. Never saw Jesus drunk. But we did see them drink wine together. So is is Paul now shifting his words here and saying, well, you shouldn't drink at all. You know, that's just, you can't handle it. You shouldn't drink. Consider the differences in the early church. I mean, we have the benefit of, you know, a couple thousand years here, or a couple, you know, about 2,000 years of experience in dealing with this. But the early church, probably not. They were just people that are getting together, probably knew each other, probably young, probably, you know, more like people in their early 20s. They were all getting together, and they're hearing Jesus, they're repeating Jesus' instructions to take the cup and drink the wine. Some translations say drink of it, all of it. So this is the instructions they're giving to each other. And, and Paul says, well, okay, maybe, 
getting drunk isn't the reason for being here. In fact, it's kind of a distraction. In fact, it'll probably lead to something you don't want. It'll lead to debauchery. It'll lead to other things. So getting drunk is not the point. Some, some friends of mine think that this is kind of one of those things where it's just like, you probably had a bunch of people that were just, <laughs> they were drinking anyway. Then they got saved. Well, okay, now you need to stop drinking. But then they hear Jesus say, well, drink the wine. And they're like, well, Christianity is awesome. I can just keep drinking. That misses the point. Paul's trying to point that out to him. There are things in the world that get confusing still today. We see people misusing substances to try and invoke a spiritual state, kind of like you know, Native American. Native Americans with peyote kind of a thing, or even the Rastafari religions where they believe that getting high is the only way to talk to God. You know, this is not something that's gone away, but it is something that that I feel that a mature Christian needs to address, and that's the why. See, Paul doesn't condemn the activity of drinking wine, but he does condemn getting drunk, and the reason is the results. This is very important. Paul doesn't want us to simply obey. He could have just said, don't get drunk or don't drink wine, period. But Paul doesn't say that. Paul says, if you do this, it'll lead to this. So this. That's the way Paul structures this. Paul doesn't want us to simply obey, but to understand why getting drunk isn't God's intention for us. It's very important. Spiritual maturity recognizes that it's not the object that causes sin, but it's misuse that can lead the weak to sin. Let me repeat that. Spiritual maturity recognizes that it's not the object that causes sin, but it's misuse that can lead the weak to sin. This can be applied to other things. This isn't something that's just true for this one object. If it's... um, Something like telling young people about sex, for example. It's something that is God's intention, but there's an intended use. You know, and, and teaching that maturity is something we need to really focus in on for all things. Not just drinking sex and all these things that, that, that come into play, but all things in our lives. See, the thing I don't like about religion, and it's, I was thinking about this this morning. How many people are uh, in, a, in a neighborhood with an HOA? Yeah, we're about to uh, move into one where uh, it's, I don't know if we want to live here. <laughs> I don't like being told what I can and can't do. You know, I don't like being 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 just said, wow, no, I, I just got a bunch of people that feel like they're not watching out for me. They're watching what I'm doing kind of thing. Does anybody else feel like that sometimes? See, religion is more like that. They're trying to ban the activity, you know, just in case. Just in case you might be led to sin, we're just going to say no. We're not going to do that at all. You know, and we don't want to hear about you doing it, so don't ever do it. Just in case. And for some people, that might be exactly what they need. But the reality is, if I don't understand, my nature is kind of rebellious. If I don't understand why, I'm going to go ahead and sneak off and do it. Amen? Anybody else like that? <laughs> Even on our uh, seasoned ages? I think I'm still going to be like that when I'm, you know, 43. (laughs) 
Spiritual maturity, on the other hand, seeks to understand why the activity may separate us from God. Understanding why a certain activity, if we overdo it or do it at all, might separate us from God, and we honestly just don't desire it. That's not part of what we're built with. Spiritual maturity recognizes where the individual is. It doesn't tempt them, doesn't pass judgment on their missteps. It tries instead to hold them up. So, what do you want to have here? I'll ask us again. Religion or spiritual maturity? Now, let's take the example of our, our kind of master class now that we've said, okay, well, DJ, you've made a, a good case and I understand it. Now what? Well, this is the cool thing about what Paul does in this passage is he doesn't just give us a bunch of things to, to talk about and then go about our business and uh, forget about it. He gives us a bunch of alternatives to say, you know, instead of just getting drunk together, there's some things we can do together to practice this spiritual maturity, and here's a few things to get you started. So this is kind of like, kind of like a test. What should the church do together? Now, religion says the church should do together whatever we tell you to do. Better be at that potluck. <laughs> you better mind your attendance. We're going we're gonna to be checking those little red pads, I tell you. We've got a list in the back. We've got a little spreadsheet. We've got the names in red if they're not coming. And, and man, if you don't attend that protest on genetically modified grains, whatever... I've heard churches recently kind of telling their people to protest with them. You better. Or else you just don't love baby Jesus. Spiritual maturity says make best use of the time for the days are evil. In other words, know the why and the results of these things. So if we're together, the lesson's been learned, what can we apply? So let's let's look at this. So, uh, be instead filled with the Spirit. Seek God. Just ask Him in. D- don't rely on tricks. And, and this is kind of funny because we're going to talk about this in a second, but there are lots of tricks to, to getting into a kind of a spiritual state. And I've, I've been all around this country and I've seen all sorts of different things with, with people just using kind of manipulation to, to do this. And Paul just suggests something simple. In verse 19, it says, address each other with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Now, does Paul literally mean that's the only thing we should say to each other? Come on, no. (laughs) But he does mean in order to get to that place where the Spirit is there, that is a good place to start. Ever wondered why we start start with a song every day, every Sunday? It's a great way to start and get kind of connected with the Spirit before we start doing all these other things. And we can apply this to other gatherings. We can read psalms. We can sing hymns. We can sing spiritual songs. The message translation, I love this. It says, do not sing drinking songs, but psalms. I don't think that's exactly what Paul's saying, but okay. (laughs) 
Sing and make melody with your heart. In other words, religious people can focus on how to sing a song or what song we should be singing. Spiritual maturity says, I'm going to sing from my heart. And, and this is going to be me. And I'm just going to let this be the song. And, and I'm going to sing it as badly as I need to, to sing it loud or whatever. Paul says, giving thanks always. And I've got to admit, this is actually one of the things I love most about our church. We are really good at giving thanks for each other. It's true. I, I, I will hear things in passing of people talking about each other, but they're not necessarily gossiping. They're just saying how grateful they are for another person. I think that deserves a round of applause. I think that's really great. A lot of churches don't get that. But then, so we, we've got this. You probably don't need me up here for, for that. But, but then there's this next verse, submitting to one another. Uh-oh. See, I like some translations put this into the next section of the Bible. And so that's probably another one of those where I'd rather have that in the next section. So Jeff could just take care of that next week. Just push that off. Uh, so submitting to one another. Religion kind of says, well, you submit to the pastor. But that doesn't mean to, you know, to others. But spiritual maturity says, yeah, to others, to everyone else. We need to be submitting to each other. It means being honest about our successes and our failures. Now, let's take a, a minute and really just apply this whole thing. We've, we've got all this. Uh, we're not getting caught up in religious ideas. We're, we're, we're down with having the bigger relationship, the more mature relationship. And Paul does want us to practice in our lives. But what I am suggesting we do, and this is kind of some homework that I'm, that I'm giving to yourselves and, and myself and all of us, is that we can practice here. This is a safe place where we can practice these things. We can say, okay, there's a lot of concepts here. But if I just tell you to go out in the world and start practicing them without you having really practiced this in a safe place, then the world can come in and, let's be honest, we might fail. Well, what happens if we fail? Sometimes we just don't want to do it again. So what I'm really suggesting that we do, and, and we just get super, super good at this, is everything Paul lays out here as a community, we try this first. We get really good at addressing each other with, with, with psalms and hymns and, and singing to each other. We get really good at singing, but we also get really good, as we already are, kind of at, at, at giving thanks for each other. And then we also work on this other bit that, that I'm not sure if we always do correctly because I don't know if any church in America does this really well, and that is submitting to one another. Now, the results of that are we become a tighter-knit community, and we, we become better and more mature with all these things. And once we get good at that, well, then we can go out into the world as stronger Christians, as, as people that are living more as God would have us live, to be focused on that spiritual maturity. So what I want you to do, here's your homework. I mean, we're in a school, right? I've got to give out homework. <laughs> the homework is, 
I want you to treat Jeff and Nick and, and, and Dylan and, and Kathy and all the deacons, everyone who serves in our church, consider them practice. They're, they're all, myself included, trained in a way. We, we've got this covered. We, we know how to, to handle the, uh, the stress of if, you, if it fails. We, we can do that. So I encourage you, practice with us first and then with each other. And then we'll go out into the world and show the world what, what spiritual maturity looks like. So we're going to sing a song here. And it's, it's a song that Dylan did last week, and I kind of asked for that to be part of all this. And really it's because it's not necessarily a song that's for the rest of the world. It's really for the church. And so we can sing that together. And when we do, I, I encourage you to sing it as badly as you can. Well, I mean, not as bad as you can. But if you need to sing it badly, to sing it out. To, to sing it out. It's, it's really important. It's okay. The, the, we got the speakers here. They're louder than you are anyway. But sing it with all your heart. And sing it to each other. Amen?
and maybe this isn't the Jesus you thought that was there. You thought maybe this wasn't the Jesus that accepts your failures. You just didn't think that's who he was. And you want to talk more about that. Figure this out. Accept that Jesus into your heart. I encourage you, find Jephari. It's really important you understand this. Now, if you're already accepted Christ and ready to take up my challenge to experience more spiritual maturity, I have an additional homework assignment for you. The next time you hear somebody saying something that you should or should not do, I want you to take some time and outline maybe about five things that are the results of those things. And I'm willing to bet you at the end of that list, you're going to find what God wants of you. That's how we can do this. People ask, all you need to say, when people ask you about these things, all you need to say is, I think I understand what the will of the Lord is. And we can do We can figure this out together. You don't have to preach it to them or anything like that. We can, we can dialogue about this, not only amongst ourselves, but amongst our community as well. Amen? Well, God bless you all. Let's uh, kind of transition into our, our next phase here.